Welcome to the Countertop Success Podcast, a show created to inspire countertop fabricators and installers to build a thriving countertop business. I'm your host, Stephen Alberts, the founder of the Countertop Marketing Company, the number one digital marketing agency for the countertop industry. On each episode, I'm going to dive into tips and strategies that you can follow to help grow your countertop company. And we'll also talk to leading experts in the industry on how they found success in their countertop business. Welcome to another episode of the Countertop Success Podcast. Today, we have an awesome guest, Adam Ramirez from Ascali by Tao. Thanks for joining us today, Adam. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Yeah, yeah, it's great to have you on. So Adam is the U.S. manager at Ascali by Tao. He's been in the business since 2003. Um, he transitioned from quartz to porcelain around 2016, and he's trained well over 100 shops across the U.S. on best practices for porcelain slab fabrication and installation. So it's going to be a great episode. I love these type of episodes because I'm going to learn something myself or I'm going to learn a lot of information. So I hope you do too. If you're listening to this, if you're watching it, um, you're going to, you're going to learn a lot of good information. So why don't you start off by, you know, tell us a little bit about your company and your brand. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, well, Escale by Tao is the porcelain or center porcelain slab brand of Tao Ceramica. And Tao Ceramica is a, um, a, a traditional tile manufacturer based out of based out of um, based out of Spain, the Valencia region of Spain. They're part of the Pamesa group, which is the largest tile manufacturing group in Spain, uh, about about fifth largest in the world. So a very sizable company. And Escale is is the slab side of uh, of the entire group anchored by Tao Ceramica. So it's a line of Tao Ceramica. Um, uh, the factory's been in business or been manufacturing for well over 50 years. We okay. service close to 100 countries um, uh, globally. And Escale is, you know, quickly, quickly developing into a major brand for Tao and for the Pamesa group globally. Okay, cool. Wow. Awesome. I mean, that sounds fantastic. Sounds pretty big. <laughs> so that that's cool. So, you know, maybe just, again, I think this is a good episode because they'll educate uh, myself, I'll educate a lot of stone fabricators out there. You know, money, tell us about, you know, what's a porcelain slab and what's the dip difference between sintered, ultra compact and porcelain slabs? Well, you know, as we were having our brief little conversation before we got started, um, you know, and it's not and it's not to kind of, you know, stir any pots or anything like that. But I come from a, you know, when I approach the market, I approach it from a from a technical standpoint, especially when we're dealing with 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 the with the side of the industry that traditionally takes on most of the burden when it comes to a new emerging slab product and that's our stone fabricators our yeah. trade our installers right they're all the ones they're the ones that are bombarded with having to figure this you know figure this out from us from a factory standpoint sometimes it's really easy to kind of blur the lines and use different marketing terms and coin terms that, you know, make something sound different and sound new. But at the end of the day, centering is the process that natural stone goes through in a very, you know, in its natural state over thousands of years, you take, uh, you, you take natural minerals and under heat and pressure, you create one solid mass. That's actually the century. That's actually centering by definition, 
taking natural minerals and through heat and pressure, creating one solid mass. Okay. Ultra compact is just another coin term of something that's been taken, that's just been taken under extreme pressure and heat made into one solid mass. At the end of the day, the, the entire category as we see it, with uh, ceramic, porcelain, uh, ultra compact, cintured, they're all the same. They kind of fall all under the same bucket and every manufacturer will have kind of their own little you know, spin behind what, you know, what may be a little bit different. We add more quartz, we add more glass, whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, I think the audience needs to understand that when you're dealing in this new category, you've got, you have to look at it like a new evolving engineered centered product that's really manufactured using traditional ceramic manufacturing processes. Okay. Um, and that kind of puts it all together. At the end of the day, if you put one next to the other, they all have some, uh, the nuances of the product are all very similar, are all very, very, very similar with one, with one main difference. And that's how the product is pressed is really going to dictate the difficulty of manufacturing or fabricating that product by your, you know, by a traditional fabricator. Okay. So it's all at the end of the day under the ceramic umbrella and they all may have a little bit of differences, but it's an all natural product. It has no resins or binders. It's all natural minerals that consist of quartz, resins, feldspars, uh, uh, clays that under extreme heat and extreme pressure are, are pressed and then kilned to the point of almost liquefaction. And at the end of that process, it comes out as, as one solid sorry. mass. And, that's, and then it's imaged on the surface. That's okay. what this category is. Okay, interesting. Yeah, interesting. So <clears throat> it sounds like some of these manufacturers have their own way of doing it. Um, but at the end of the day, it's all kind of a similar process. And um, they're doing it in the same way. Maybe they're marketing it differently, but it is kind of similar uh, the, the, the way that they, they compress it and, and compact it. So that's interesting. So why yeah, it is this? when, when yeah. I transitioned onto this side of the industry, it, it, I was, I was much like your traditional fabricators or your, or your traditional market, you know, hearing all kinds of different things from all kinds yeah. of different manufacturers. And I, and as I went to Europe and saw some of these factories and then started comparing all the factories, I'm like, all these factories are the same yet. They yeah. all say that they're somewhat similar but no. they all do the same, the same process. Yeah. This is all the same, the same, technically the same product under a general umbrella. And I think our fabricators need to know this. So they're not thinking one's different than the other and one's different than here. Yeah. They're yeah. all, they're all traditionally the same. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, that's good information. So why don't you give us, you know, quick history on the category, most of our audience is in the U.S. Um, we might have some in Canada and we're up elsewhere in the world, but you know, give us a little history on the category in the U.S. market. Jeez, um, so the uh, so the the category as a whole has been around in the U.S. for geez for well uh, close to ten years now. Okay, but it it originally was a very very thin product that was three millimeter and five millimeter thick, and then kind of six millimeter-ish, which is about a quarter of an inch thick. So very, very, very thin panel that the industry, being, being that it was manufactured by tile, by tile manufacturers predominantly, was called a tile, right? Yeah. But, you know, and it just kept on getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it was primarily focused at the, 
at the real, real technical uh, commercial side of the industry. So, uh, uh, so there was this, there was this product that kept on getting larger. Um, it's been around for quite some time, but no one really knew what it was. Okay. No one really knew what it was, not the mainstream, you know, market, you know, didn't know what it is, you know, what it was and certainly not to what it is now. Um, so in about at, at around 2013, 2014 ish products started getting thicker and it started making its way into traditional stone distribution. And that's when the uh, that's when the traditional market or traditional fabricator market started hearing about this ports and slab product. Okay. Um, it started getting thicker, but yet they remember it from the thin porcelain uh, from from the thin panel days, yeah. and they hated it because it was yeah. like it was just like glass, and it just exploded, and it cracked, yeah. and it broke, and they couldn't handle it. They there was no training, there was no way to figure out this five foot by 10 foot panel that's three millimeters thick and what am i supposed to do with this yeah um as the product started evolving and getting thicker it made its way into what we know it now and around 2016 when i made my way into this side of the industry it already had a really good it already had some good legs and a good footprint in the states but yet since then it's just dramatically involved so uh, you know evolved so it's been around for well over 10 years it's been around around 10 years but over the last four to five years is really where it's really just skyrocketed to what it is now and pretty much every fabricator that's out there in the market by now has heard of a porcelain yeah. slab a centered stone slab what is it you know how am i yeah. going to fabricate this stuff because it's not going away and that's kind of how it's evolved in the market it started off as a very very thin product re five six millimeter product on the front end then it start. then as thicker product made its way into the market around 2015 2016 ish time is really where it became what it's what what it is now and now we're starting to see and, and now it's starting to evolve into that next phase of maybe some 2cm maybe some 3cm products if it makes sense okay the jury's still up on that one on you know where okay. where the industry's going to go yeah, that, that's interesting. So that kind of le also leads into my next question, because like it, it sounds like it started off more on the commercial side. Maybe now it's getting more into the residential side. So my question is, you know, who's the ideal uh, client for this type of product? And, you know, why why are they the ideal uh, client for this? You know, as I travel across the United States, everything always starts on the coast markets, right? It always yeah. starts on the coast markets and it kind of just, you know, filters its way in. The one thing that I have seen here with this with this category, say over the quartz side of the industry, the quartz side of the industry took about, uh, you know, about a good 10 years to really get grab hold and become what it is now. This is moving much, much, much faster, much faster. And really it's because the diversity of the product from an interior to an exterior product is, it, I mean, just kind of opens up, you know, those design ideas, you know, um, because you can virtually use it in any application that you could kind of conceive. Yeah. Um, and that's not just, you know, and that's not just kind of, you know, a sales pitch behind it. I mean, it's the truth. It's a very lightweight product. So we primarily deal with a 12 millimeter product and a six millimeter product. And what I found is that across the United States, 12 millimeters just really becoming uh, the the mainstay 
uh, even though there's other thicker products available, the 12 millimeter seems to fit that void between a thin light product and then a, a you know a durable enough product to be able to handle in a stone shop. So um, what I tell fabricators is let's not pigeonhole ourselves into the countertop because there's so much more that you can do with this product in the form of walls because it's lightweight. So you don't have to mechanically anchor a product that's six pounds a square foot. Uh, you could use it for exterior applications such as outdoor kitchens, Wayne's coatings, all kinds of different applications. If you could conceive it, you could probably virtual, you know, you could probably pretty much do it with a, you know, with product within this category. If, you know, we're going to call it a portion slab, um, uh, you could use it for virtually any application. So what I'm finding at the residential fabricator level a lot of uh, a lot of shower and tub surrounds, especially the big, large avant-garde ones, where you wanted to be doing some book matching. A lot of fireplaces. I'm talking large, you know, 18 foot, 20 foot fireplace wraps all the way around. I'm seeing a lot of that outdoor barbecues. I like telling fabricators there's four key features in a in a porcelain or centered porcelain slab. Um, uh, that I think are very important to know. One, it's fully UV resistant. So you could use it outdoor, indoor. It's not going to fade. It's not going to, okay. it's not going to discolor. Second is it's fully thermal shock resistant. So it doesn't expand and contract because it doesn't have any resin binders and it's virtually a non-porous product. So that, you know, in extreme temperature areas such as like the Arizona deserts or even your Connecticut, you know, markets where it freeze and thaws, you're not going to have the rapid expansion and contraction within this stone that could cause you issues. So it's fully thermal shock resistant. Then uh, uh, it's highly, highly chemical resistant. What I tell kitchen and bath dealers or even fabricators is pretty much anything underneath the kitchen sink, bleach, okay. Clorox, Simple Green, all those things that you would never put on some other surfaces, you could clean this category of stone with because it's highly, highly chemical resistant. I've tested it with concentrated liquid plumber and nothing happens to the product. So that kind of gives you an idea of how durable yeah. it is. And then, it's, and, and then it's fully burn and scorch proof. Most of these slabs are kiln fired up to 2,400 degrees. So you could take a blowtorch to it and you're not going to burn the stone. You may rupture it before you burn it, um, but it's virtually a burn, a burn proof category. Okay, cool. Wow, yeah, that, that's so, I mean... Inside, outside, kitchen, bath. I mean, you could use it fireplace. You can use it anywhere. That's yeah. that's good. Yeah, I, I didn't know some of that about it. So that's interesting. Yeah, so, one, one, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. one, one sure. really cool feature that this category has shown throughout, you know, all the shows, you know, KBiz just, just wrapped up yesterday and I'm sure they were showing it at KBiz, but is induction cooking elements that are built into these slabs. And if anybody's been to a show where maybe we're, you know, we've been at or some of the other bigger manufacturers, you'll see that they'll take an induction cooking element and actually adhere it to the bottom of, of, of say, an Escala surface. And you can actually physically cook on top of the surface itself yeah, because so it cool. won't burn, it won't expand and yeah. And it won't contract. And when, and when the trade sees that they kind of get the concept of how durable this stone is. Yeah. 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 Now that's, that's probably impressive to actually see. It's really, in person. It's really cool stuff. It's that's really cool. cool stuff. The first time I saw it, I was really, really, really blown away. I was like, yeah. what are we doing here? But you can. Yeah. That's cool. Very, very cool. So now why a fabricate has been resistant to this new product and you know, do you see this changing? I'm, I'm thinking just kind of thinking on my own 
Um, from what you said before, it started off super thin. It's tough to work with. Now it's not like that. So maybe is that some of the reason why they're a little bit resistant to, you know, work with this prana? Oh, absolutely. So when I came, you know, when I made the transition over, I had fabricators that say, I won't touch that stuff. It just, it breaks. Yeah. It, you know, it shatters. I, you know, I came on board on this side of the industry with a, with a big U S manufacturer, um, you know, very, very, very well-known respected. And they were really highly, highly promoting a six millimeter product or a very thin product as a countertop product. And being from the countertop side of the industry or the slab side of the industry, it's like, you know, that, that that's just not going to work. You know, you have a 10 foot, you know, when you have a 10 foot run, that's 24 inches wide and you have a 10 foot run. When something moves, something's going to give, regardless of how you install that thing, right? Yeah. You don't have any of the grout lines that are separating like a traditional four by four old subway tile countertop, right? Which yeah. I still have one of those at one of my other places and I keep it because the stuff's indestructible. Yeah. You know, I could just throw bleach on it after we do some fishing, right? I just throw yeah. bleach on that thing and nothing ever happens to it. But the truth of the matter is it's full of grout lines everywhere, right? Yeah. So the surface of the product is going to give you the functionality of a, of a four by four white subway tile with a ton of, with a ton of grout lines. The challenge is the well, minute that you do that 10 foot run and something gives, well, that little six millimeter or three, or three millimeter piece of stone is going to give, and you're going to get those hairline fractures. And from a shop standpoint, these fabricators remember handling slabs that would just snap on them. And that's because of the amount of tension that's created in these slabs. That kind of leads into also the difference that I think a fabricator should really understand is the type of tension that's in the product that they're going to be handling and how it's manufactured. And I think it's important for them to be able to understand that of that product that's coming into their shop, because if it's a mold press product, extreme, extreme amount of tension, because there's nowhere for that tension to go during the manufacturing process versus yeah. a cylinder or a continuous roll product which disperses energy out, which disperses the energy out during the pressing process. So you still have tension in the product. You just don't have that extreme amount of tension. And one of the main differences that a fabricator here is when a, someone that truly understands what fabricators are going to go through. Um, I, I share with my fabricators, you don't have to tension relief cut our slabs. And that saves them about 30 to 45 minutes per slab. So they get it really quickly yeah. because that tension's reduced. So on the front end, these fabricators are having to deal with this this little tiny thin panel because tile installers didn't know what to do with it. And then fabricators got challenged with it. And then they were having to deal with all the issues of breakage and cracking and post insulation problems. Um, that's all, you know, that's all really, that's all really changed um, up to this point. Now you have tooling suppliers that are providing plenty of tooling, you know, into this category. Uh, uh, you've got plenty of folks like myself that have transitioned from the engineer court side of the industry into this side of the industry. So we're able to support at a technical level, whereas okay. on the front end, there was no real slab technical support personnel or folks that understood what fabricators would go through because this was a tile industry product. So you had tile industry salespeople. It's like, oh yeah, you can use this. You can use it for anything. Yeah. Look how great it is. Oh, by the way, here's the price, buy it and it'll be great. And there was fabricators that actually gave it a shot. And then there was distributors that jumped on board with that thin product and they gave it a shot and it was a disaster on the front. Yeah, yeah. A huge disaster. And now as we make our way in with these shops, you know, kind of try, you know, educate them about what it is, what it isn't. Um, 
that's really what's changed for them is the support level from folks like me, which you know, I'm always open for calls and conversations. Like I said, I've trained you know, well over 100 shops across the United States in person and via Zoom, tons of via Zoom. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and being able to educate them because most fabricators, I mean, I mean, these fabricators are bright people. They're running, I mean, very highly sophisticated shops. They just need someone to be able to articulate to them. What is it? What is it not? What best practices? What should I not, you know, what shouldn't I and what shouldn't I do? Um, what we do that, that's that's a little bit different that I don't know, maybe maybe is changing, you know, and helping at least our client bases. We really stand behind our fabricators when it comes to them launching out into this category because fabricators always carry the burden of issues and yeah. that's their biggest hesitation on bringing on new product lines because they say look it's really easy for you to excite you know the dealers and the designers but i have to deal with the problems and when something happens you guys say oh well you did it wrong we don't we don't go that way all our distributors across the united states know that if there's a problem that take care of it because that's the only way we're going to keep moving forward. Take care yeah. of the problem because uh, uh, because one or two slabs is not worth having a fabricator that's going to be unhappy with our product line. Just make them comfortable with it. Yeah. So tooling has changed. Support has changed. The thickness of the product has dramatically changed. And that makes a huge difference. Being able to handle slabs like a traditional stone slab is extremely important. And, and that's really what's changed uh, you know, to this point where we're at now. Yeah, yeah. No, that sounds... It, it it's interesting because it started off where it was thin, no support. Like you say, it was more on the tile side, um, but it has evolved into, you know, thicker support, uh, more information out there. So yeah, they might have a bad taste in their mouth about it, but, you know, hopefully through education, things like this, and then your type of company that sounds like you're more of a hands-on, you help your fabricators, you know, that's important. People, People want that these days, you know, it's, it's, you can't just give them something and that's it, you know, and <laughs> leave them exactly. to themselves because they they'll need some help and getting the best out of the product for the, the customer. So that's uh, good stuff. So what about, you know, um, maybe one of the most important technical aspects of the product category that you think every fab fabricator should know, you know, what do you think is that top uh, aspect? I think it's really important for, for fabricators and dealers to know, just the trade in general to know, is to understand the type of product that they're dealing with from the standpoint of tension. It's extremely, extremely important because tension is what's going to dictate um, how quickly you can fabricate it and what type of issues you may run into um, as, you're, as you're running this through your shop. There's two basic processes in manufacturing uh, slabs within this category. One is a mold press, right? where you actually take all those raw minerals and between four walls, you press under extreme amounts of pressure. We're talking tons and tons of pressure, pressing that body into a solid mass. Well, that tension that's built up within that, within those four walls doesn't have anywhere to disperse. So it stays within that slab. And then when it gets kiln fired, right, it goes almost to that formal liquefaction and then comes back into one solid mass, but all that tension stays within those, you know, within those four walls of that slab. Yep. And that's why you have to tension relief, cut some of these slabs, trim off the perimeters to release some of that tension. Otherwise it'll just kind of, you know, it could, I mean, those, those were true stories when some of these fabricators said, I literally picked up the slab and just shattered. 
Yeah. And it's because so of the type of because it's because of the type of process. So understanding is it a mold press product or is it a cylinder press product? Cylinder press products still have tension. They just don't have that extreme amount of tension. And it yeah. makes a huge difference. In general, that'll save a fabricator a low tension, uh, a low tension product because you don't have to tension relief cut. It's normally going to save a fabricator about 30 to 45 minutes per slab, not having to do that tension relief cutting. Yeah. Not to mention, you know, all the concerns on, you know, on the handling and the post install and all that good stuff. But I think that's the single one most important thing that fabricators need to know when they're bringing, you know, when someone's bringing a new product to them. So, so how's this press? Is it a mold or is it cylinder? Because that's going to tell him or tell them everything they need to know yeah. going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I'd love to like see this being created in the factory. It's probably so cool to, to see the whole process and you know, how they create these slabs. It's just, it's gotta be mind blowing to actually see a factory do that. Yeah, highly um, impressive. Yeah, 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 yeah. So great information, you know, maybe we'll end it on this question right here. You know, uh, and you kind of talked about it a little bit before, but you know, what are the keys to successful fabrication of this emerging market? You know, if you could just give a couple of uh, aspects there of, you know, what could be successful when you're fabricating with this? Uh, and that's a really important question because it really boils down to a flat surface, a plain flat surface. Um, you know, these slabs are still, even on the 12 millimeter end, these slabs are still 12 millimeter. And even though they're getting thicker, they're still thin slabs. And the plainness of your, uh, of of your cutting surface, be it a water jet, be it a bridge saw, even rail sawing, because I, you know, I, I have fabricators that do this on rail saw and they have success. A flat table is going to be extremely, extremely important. Okay. Be it that you're, you know, uh, uh, that you're filling it yourself, you're serving it to yourself, or you're picking up some foam board or some rubber mats to let level out that that table is going to be extremely important. So a flat surface, a lot of water. This category creates a lot of heat a lot okay. of heat because there's no resin in the product. So it's just, a, it's a just all natural kind of, kind of look at it like a quartzite or an extremely, extremely dense um, uh, granite. Uh, so a lot of water at the point of contact, not just kind of scattered out, but at the point of contact. Um, good, well-maintained equipment with a good operator that understands the limitations of their, of their equipment. I mean, there's all kinds of different shops across the U.S., and not all of them are fully automated with engineer type brains that are running their, you know, running their shops. Right. I would say 50%, if not more fabricators, the minute you ask them, so how are you managing, uh, you know, your feed through rates? They all go like, I, I just listen. I just listen to what my machine's telling me. Yeah. So having a good operator that understands their equipment, good, well-maintained equipment, plenty of water and a flat surface and the proper tooling. There's plenty of tooling now. Five years ago, there was it was it was still kind of limited. Like so, what so what do I use? That there's no excuse for that now. You call your tooling manufacturer. You just tell them, hey, look, I need uh, you know I need sintered stone, porcelain slab, ultra compact, you know, um, surface tooling, and they'll have cutting yeah. blades, coring bits, finger bits. They'll have all that for you, um, and 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 you need to do that. So proper tooling flat table, good, good, well-maintained equipment, you know, with a good operator that understands his equipment and, uh, um, and, um, and a flat table. Okay, cool. No, good information. Yeah. I think 
it seems like as the technology, as we just keep going along, the technology is improving and it's just helping the market, um, helping working with this type of product. So yeah, even I'd love to touch base with you again, some in the, time sure. in the future and, you know, see what, what other updates there are, you know, a year or two from now and, and see what's out For there. Sure. For sure. So, I mean, it's not going away. You know, I would, uh, you know, I would tell your audience, uh, embrace it. It's not going away. Um, I didn't make it out to KBiz, but I have plenty of people that were there and they all said, it's amazing how much the conversation was about this category yeah. versus like, you know, our other more commoditized product lines that are in the market. So it's not going anywhere. What we're able to create within this category is very dynamic. Uh, I mean, we're pretty much able to mimic and recreate any natural stone that you can conceive. The features and benefits on, you know, interior, exterior, uh, you know, is there. There's plenty of support now and there's plenty of fabricators that have embraced it. And there's plenty of products out there that are fabricator friendly. So I would just tell them, hey, look, uh, you know, embrace it. It's here, it's not gonna go away. I was one of those original pioneers back in the early 2000s out there pushing quartz when they used to kick us out of shops and say that stuff will never work because it's yeah. a granite market. It's kind of the same, but now it's a, you know, it's a quartz market. Yeah, it'll yeah. never work. I'll just say embrace it now. Um, you know, it's here and I, you know, and if anybody ever has any questions, they're more than welcome to reach out. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, yeah. Thanks again so much for joining the show. I've learned a ton. I hope everyone listening or watching has learned a ton. Um, you can check out Escalia at escali.es. And in the show notes, we're going to have Adam's contact information if you want to speak to him. And again, thanks so much for joining me. For sure. And if, yeah, yeah, no problem. And like I said, we'll catch up sometime down the road and, and do another episode, kind of see where the, where the market's at, see if there's any changes. I think that would be a, a good update, you know? For sure. For sure. Well, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, no problem. And and if you're looking to double the square footage you do each month in retail countertop jobs, then check out our website and countertopmarketingco.com to book a call with me, and we will see you on the next show. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Countertop Success Podcast, and make sure you head over and subscribe to us on YouTube, Apple iTunes, Spotify, and all the other major podcast platforms. Now, if you're looking to grow the retail side of your countertop business outside of word of mouth and referrals, then go over to our website at countertopmarketingcode.com and book a free strategy call with me. Also, when you're on our site, check out our free training section and you'll find a ton of helpful resources that you can use to help grow your countertop business. Again, thanks so much for listening and I'll see you on the next show.